0: This is Hugh Crusell and the program is QOL. During the months of January and a small piece of February, I've actually given up my host seat to a, uh, a Masters of Social Work student, uh, Brooke Davies. She's been a teacher for 10 years. Since she's struggled to find an existing initiative working with ageism, Brooke decided to create her own. And with our help here at CKLU, well she's hoping to create a public awareness bringing some light to the widespread discrimination people face based on their age both ends of the spectrum here and this uh, particular episode is about the other end which is not often explored these conversations merely scratch the surface of this deep-rooted form of discrimination join her in this the final episode of her four-part series on exploring ageism
1: 2021, Ontario will be home to 3 million people over the age of 65. It was revealed by the Ontario Human Rights Commission in their report entitled Time for Action, Advancing the Rights of Older Persons in Ontario, that older Ontarians face ageism on a daily basis. The report warns that older adults face serious barriers because of this discrimination and there's an urgent need to eliminate ageism. One of the suggestions that came out of this report was to create public awareness campaigns using media, such as radio and podcasts. So here I am on 96.7 FM, CKLU in Sudbury. I'm Brooke Davies, and this is Experiences with Ageism. Over the last three episodes, I've spoken to two older adults and a social worker who has dedicated her career to working with older adults. As I reflected on the episodes, I noticed that we'd spoken a lot about young people and how they may view older adults, and also about how young people can experience age-based discrimination. I decided that it would be remiss, and perhaps even a little bit ageist myself, if I didn't include a voice of a younger person when talking about ageism. So today my guest is Sophia Mather. She's in grade eight, Uh, she does French immersion here in Sudbury, and she's an environmental lobbyist, activist, and um, she began when she was only seven years old. She's taken her lobbying all the way to U.S. Congress and the Canadian Parliament with the organization Citizens Climate Lobby. She embraced Greta Thunberg's call for youth climate action in November 2018 and was the first youth in the Americas to do Fridays for Future Strikes starting on November 2nd, 2018. Sophia was proud to win the 2019 Canadian National Museum of Nature Youth Inspiration Award. With Ecojustice, Sophia is one of seven young people taking the Ford Ontario government, To court. Wow, taking them to court. Good for you, Sophia. For weakening Ontario's 2030 climate target. Sophia co-starred in the documentary Citizen Kid, Earth Comes First, produced by White Pine Pictures that aired nationally in Canada on World Environment Day in 2020. Uh, It was on YTV. She will also be one of the many featured on the 60th anniversary episode of The Nature of Things, which will be called Rebellion and that's going to air on CBC TV and CBC Gem on November 6th this year. Welcome Sophia. Thank you so much for being here. Maybe my first question to you will just be how did you get involved in Fridays for Future? How did you in- get how did you get involved with activism?
0: Oh, so I was born into a family that's always known about the climate crisis. We've done stuff like recycling in our house and composting and small stuff, like small actions. And um, I used to always see my mom go off lobbying and one day when I was seven years old I said, "Hey mom, can I lobby with you too?" And she was like, okay I, I guess and uh, the maximum age for lobbying was 16 uh, but she decided to, to to try it out with me uh, and when I uh, got and uh, went to, to go meet all the politicians, I drew photos saying that they needed to take action on the climate crisis and I definitely think, uh, it, 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 they listened to me because I don't think you see a seven-year-old kid come up to your office and hand you a photo saying, hey, take action on the climate crisis. Mm-hmm. So after that, my mom brought me to more and more lobbying sessions and uh, stuff like that. And and in November, uh, well, August of 2018, I heard about Greta Thunberg and I decided that I wanted to start striking too. And so in November of 2018, I started... Uh, British Future Striking here in Sudbury. Awesome and so you said two
1: things there that I kind of wanted to pick up on. Um, The first one being you said that from a young age around your house your family has kind of always done small actions. I think that sometimes when people learn about climate change and about what a dire situation we're really in I think often they can feel overwhelmed but it doesn't we don't have to do something humongous. I think there are a lot of little things that we can do that will make a big difference. Are, are, is there anything all along that line that you might be able to share with us? Any little inspirational suggestions?
0: So um, when I first learned about the climate crisis, it was at a very young age. And as a kid, that was really like a really big thought to, to take in all this information that scientists are saying that uh, in 2050, there won't be a safe world for next generations. So I guess a lot of us are made to believe that uh, things are being done by the government,
1: mm-hmm. but things
0: are not good. So it's left to us citizens to do our job. And so uh, uh, we t- took small actions in our household. And then later on, we went to bigger stuff, like lobbying and going to protests, because um, I think every time you take an action, it definitely feels like you're making a difference. And uh, especially doing big stuff like lobbying a politician and hearing what they have to say and obviously um, getting to know other people with the same situation as you are.
1: And like you said, I think that it it can feel overwhelming when you hear about, oh, my gosh, by 2050, we will not be living in a a safe, on a safe planet. Hearing something like that is scary. and, And for some people, it might be enough to go, oh, well, what does it matter then? But it really does our small differences do really add up, like you said. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And what do you think government needs to know about young people coming and lobbying? What, why do you think that the voice of the youth needs
0: to be heard? So the climate crisis is going to be affecting me uh, because it is, it, it, scientists say that it will affect the next generations. So that means it'll be hard for me to live the life you uh, adults are living right now. And um, like I right now have the opportunity to be able to go out and go for a walk and the lovely trails here in Sudbury and enjoy all the nature, but that may all be gone because of the climate crisis. So I, I think that um, younger generations need to speak out about this because it's going to impact us the most, especially because we do have an impact, we have strong voices, we are the leaders of tomorrow, but we are also the leaders of today.
1: Yeah, you definitely make that very evident. I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole watching all kinds of uh, stuff with you on YouTube and (laughs) it was really interesting. And yeah, you are definitely a leader, that's for sure. The second thing that, the second little piece that I pulled from that, the first little bit of the discussion that we had there was, you recalled being a seven-year-old and being brought to these uh, lobbying events and going up to politicians and stuff. What do you remember about being that young? And I mean, you're still young. What? What type of feelings did you have and do you continue to have when you're surrounded by all of these adults? And what kind of vibe do you get from them? Do you feel like they take you seriously? Do you feel like there are some people that, you know, think, oh, these are just a bunch of kids?
0: So when I was younger and I was going out lobbying, I think everyone was like everyone in part of the groups was really nice to me. And we'd all discuss stuff and they let me be a part of the conversations and uh, let me add my own stuff. And a lot of the politicians did listen to me, but I definitely think that a lot of people do look down to youth. And um, But I think that youth do have a big difference because I think that a lot of politicians definitely looked at a kid sitting at the table after uh, receiving this drawing like, oh, wait, kids... are like doing something about this it's not just adults like kids are in this movement so I definitely think as soon as they see a kid coming up to them asking for climate action they really realize that this is something that uh the kids are passionate about.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I watched, one of the things that I watched that you were in was a really cool little Vice News uh, clip that they did with you. And I think that was when you were 11?
0: Uh, 11 or 12.
1: Yeah. And I know you and some of the other kids were talking about uh, some of the sort of negative comments that do get thrown at you from time to time. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that?
0: So at the rally, um, I was making kind of this little sign and I can't remember exactly what was on it but it was something like we need climate action and a whole bunch of little words saying all the things that people have said to me like you're just a kid you're not an expert on this mm-hmm. but that's not the message that I'm trying to say I'm not trying to tell everyone that I'm a smart scientist I'm trying to tell people to listen to the scientists so I definitely think I was just putting all those words on the sign so that next time someone says something like that to me I can be like yes but And continue uh, with the fact that I'm not here to, to tell you that I'm a scientist. I'm here to tell you to listen to the scientists. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I I love that you talk about taking yes, okay, and, and moving the conversation forward rather than getting into an argument or just shutting them down. One of the things that I loved that you talked about in that little interview clip, which I highly recommend everybody watch, uh, one of the comments that was thrown at you was, oh, you're just doing this to get out of class. You're just doing this to get out of school. And you were like, um, actually I'm missing science classes right now, which is one of my favorite things.
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually am starting to remember uh, this, but I, 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 yeah, I do like school. I, I, I do have passions for math and science. So I, I, I'm not just doing this to skip out of school. I'm doing this because we don't have a future, uh, that we can prepare for. So why should I be interested in science class and want to become a lawyer one day if I won't be able to do that because I'll be worried about the climate crisis. I mean I get comments like that all the time rather if it's on social media. Most of the harsh comments are on social media and uh, then um, some people who tell me that in person but it doesn't really have an effect on me because I'm not doing this. I know that I'm not doing this to skip school and I know that uh, the people in my group are not doing this to just miss school. We're doing this because we are in a climate emergency.
1: Good for you. And and what about your teachers? Have they been supportive
0: of this? Yeah, uh, my teachers have been really supportive. And we've actually done a couple projects on Greta Thunberg. And every time I get... In the mail, or, um, or uh, um, in media, uh, they're always uh, congratulating me and telling me that they're proud of me. And um, and when I took like one or two weeks off to go to New York to meet Greta, I actually called my class at one of the rallies and they asked a couple questions. So yeah. And what was that like meeting her? Oh, meeting Greta. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we met right after. Uh, she received the Amnesty International Award, so obviously there were a whole bunch of people trying to interview her, and t- I didn't get much personal time. But we got to take a photo and talk a little bit about it. And she said she knew who I was, and uh, my mom had uh, met her before at COP 20. I don't know for sure, uh, but. Uh, and she just said that I should keep doing what I was doing and that that uh, had conversations about the hate comments that we get to, yeah. Greta does get a lot uh, of those, especially because uh, she's very well known uh, towards most people who are in the climate activist uh, movement. Yeah,
1: and do you think that part of that is because of her age? Like, do you think that if she were a bit older or maybe a man, do you think she would be taken more
0: seriously? I think that a lot of people do take Greta seriously but when you look at her Twitter comments you you see a whole bunch of people that are trying to prove her wrong with a conspiracy article or something because she's just a kid but Greta is a really smart person she knows what she's talking about she she's she probably knows more than some adults do about this because she she's read so many books about it so Uh, When you hear her talking and uh, how she's passionate about it, she knows everything that she's talking about. So people who say she doesn't know what she's talking about, I honestly just haven't heard her speak and talk to her about this because she definitely is someone who who is educated about this. And I think a lot of youth have educated themselves uh, with reliable sources. Like I've talked to many experts. Uh, My mom has connections to so it's not like I'm just going out here and saying there's a climate emergency because I'm a kid and uh, I just made this up. now. yeah, feel. And uh, I think that Greta does get a lot of ages comments or comments because of her young age or also because of the fact that she has autism and a lot of people look down on uh, people with autism and it was just crazy.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You actually get an opportunity to meet some very cool people, not just Greta, but on Monday, you're going to be meeting somebody who I think is amazing. You're going to be meeting David Suzuki. I'm going to be meeting
0: David Suzuki on Monday. My mom's met with him multiple times before, maybe even when I was uh, a baby, but uh, it's such a great honor to meet with him. It's going to be over Zoom, but still I'm going to be interviewing uh, him about the climate, crisis, uh, the climate crisis, and it's just really exciting. And I'm, I'm honestly honored that they picked specifically me, uh, a child instead of an adult, to do this.
1: Yeah, well, that's actually something that I wanted to, to talk to you about. So next week when you meet David, he's 84 years old, you're 13. What do you think is the importance of these intergenerational conversations, not only around climate change, of course, around uh, climate change is going to be the main focus of this, but why do you think it's important for young people to talk to older people and vice versa? Uh,
0: David Suzuki and many uh, other people who are in the climate movement who have who are of older age or in their 80s um, our, our elders. And they have been doing this for a long time. I know David Suzuki has been doing this for so long, uh, such a long time. So they need to pass on their knowledge and what they know to us. And it's great that as the youth learn the, from them, so that uh, we can make a bigger impact in the climate movement too. So yeah, I think that's honestly it. And um, we are all of generation climate action, which is a phrase uh, we use in our in the court case that Generation Climate Action isn't just Gen Z, it's every generation who is dealing with this problem because it's all of our responsibilities to take action on this. It's the adults' responsibility right now because they are the people in power. It's also the elders' responsibility to keep a, to tell everyone knowledge and to listen to them. And it's also the youth's responsibility because it's going to affect us the most.
1: Exactly. And I think that you brought up a a really important point there, which is that climate change doesn't care what your culture is, it doesn't care what your race is, it doesn't care what your gender is, doesn't care what your age is. Climate change is coming for everybody, so that's why we need to care. And to the same sort of extent, in a different way, but ageism also is something that affects you. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your race is. Ageism affects you. So that's kind of a, an interesting way that I see these two things kind of converging. So what are you, what are you excited to talk to David about? Do you have any questions for him that you might be able to share? Any little sneak previews?
0: <laughs> um, well, honestly, I'm a little, uh, I don't know for sure what I'm going to say to him. I that's what I said when I was going to meet Greta, uh, because I guess I'm just going to be asking him questions about, uh, do you think climate change is uh, one of the biggest things of this generation? Uh, what are your solutions? And simple questions like that. But I also hope to be able to add in some of my own things, like asking me about the youth movement and how think, uh, what he thinks about the youth involvement. So yeah, but I am very nervous, so I don't know for sure uh, what, uh, what I'm going to say yet.
1: Oh, you're going to be great. And I will just share with you, I was very nervous to talk to you today, because I think that you are so inspirational. So you, you're going to be great. Every time that I listen to you speak, I think, oh my goodness, she's so eloquent. And you really take your time and think about what you're going to say, and you're going to do a great job. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time, because again, I know you're busy and you've been at school all day, I'm sure. And uh, so I want to get m- much more of your time, but I just wanted to end with a few little rapid-fire questions. We'll call them. Can you give me three words that describe your work with Fridays for Future?
0: Ooh, uh, motivational, um, powerful. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think and uh, beautiful because we like to bring art into our movement.
1: Do you participate or partake in any certain uh, type of art?
0: Uh, Well, I dance. Uh, I'm actually a part of Earth Dancers Okunus and we dance for the earth. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah, I'm a part of Earth Dancers and we dance for the climate. We also make parachutes for the planet, like the playing parachutes, and that's also really cool. We decorate them, and they're really big to bring to big like, events before COVID and have a whole bunch of people play with those, so we try and do as many stuff to keep our events like full of art, and because I think art is a, a great way of expressing yourself.
1: Yeah, it kind of brings us all together. Um, is there any way that if anybody's interested in Earth Dancers that they can get involved in it or is it, has COVID kind of halted things a little bit?
0: Well, COVID is kind of, um, I don't know for sure if we're going to have a performance this year, but we do, they do have a website. And we do, we have, we have sponsors available for whenever our next event is. Yeah, so, and we also have performances that you can obviously come to, which will be on the website whenever we'll be able to have those performances again. And I think COVID definitely took away that uh, the, the powerful message that we try to spread through dancing.
1: I guess it's, at least it's sort of forcing us to find new ways, which is, a good learning opportunity, but yeah, kind of a bummer. Okay, the next thing I was gonna ask you is, can you name somebody who inspires you?
0: Uh, Probably Greta Thunberg, but there are many other people who inspire me. It's honestly really hard to name, but I definitely think that both my parents inspired me because they were the ones who kind of helped me join the movement at the beginning with doing stuff in our house. And uh, well, they gave me permission to start Uh, Striking.
1: Thank you. Um, And then I also wanted to ask you if there's one thing that you could tell the world about youth, why they're important, uh, why they're important to society, and why they should be taken seriously.
0: The youth are the ones who are going to be most affected by the climate crisis. We need to be taken seriously because we are going to be the leaders tomorrow. You need to take us seriously because we are in a climate emergency and serious. And if, if the youth are the ones that have to tell the adults, they're not being serious enough, you know that there's a problem.
1: Good point. And I'm going to throw in one last little bonus question here. My sister actually wanted me to ask you this one because uh, I've, I've introduced my sister to you and your work now. And she thinks that you're super cool also. And she said, can you ask her, what's the number one thing that people get wrong about her? So what do you think is the number one thing that people get wrong about you? I think maybe people sort of think that they know you or think that they, you know, kind of have you all figured out based on the work that they see you do. But
0: what's something that they get wrong? Ooh, that's definitely a really good question. And I have to put a lot of thought into this one because, um, well, I think a lot of things that uh, I've actually had an article that I've seen. They say that my parents are forcing me into this, like that, and I. Just, I think that's a lot of things that people understand about, uh, misunderstand about, my activism and who I am. But I think that they also a lot of people kind of forget that I'm also just a kid. Yeah. I also um, am here to get good grades in school, and and I also um, have friends that I want to hang out with. So some people, um, some people, don't realize that. So uh, I get a lot of people who ask me like really complicated questions about the stuff on my Twitter and telling me like I should be that I'm not doing enough. Like I've had people who've told me that I'm not doing enough, which is crazy, especially because the amount of effort. So I think there's a, there's a couple things that people get wrong about me, but I think those are the two things that popped into my head when you asked the question. Thank
1: you. Great answer.
0: And I thought
1: about this, how, how, people kind of accuse you, oh, your parents are forcing you to do this. Your own. But I saw in another interview that you did that you actually have other siblings and they're not necessarily as involved as you are. And so I think that's a good example of obviously if your parents were forcing all their kids to do this, you'd all be, <laughs> so this is obviously something that you are very interested in and very passionate about.
0: And All my sisters uh, originally tried out being, going to activism, but it, um, it had a lot of a toll on my, uh, my sisters, so mm-hmm. they just, like they didn't want to do it, and obviously my parents were like, yes, do what you'd like to do, and then I, I guess my parents saw that I was actually um, a kid that was passionate about this, so when my mom brought me lobbying, she's like, oh my goodness, um, it's a kid that, that, that uh, wants to do this activism, so uh, but both my sisters have uh, given speeches about it, and um, they definitely do do their own small acts in their cities, like recycling and composting and stuff like that. Uh, which, as you pointed out
1: before, there really aren't any small acts because they all they all add up. Thank you. Okay, well, I really appreciate your time today, and I've so enjoyed talking with you, and... Um, Just thank you so much for being here, and to the listeners of of our show, thank you for listening to this series on ageism. I hope that you've learned something and that you've enjoyed listening along the way. Hi, I'm Brooke, and I just wanted to take a moment in this final episode to reflect back on this series, Experiences with Ageism. My grandpa inspired this series in a conversation we had about the exclusion, lack of consideration, and mistreatment faced by older adults. I really wanted to interview my grandpa for this show, but he said that he would be too shy. In this series, I merely scraped the surface of some of the feelings, experiences, and problems people might be facing as a result of ageism. I want to acknowledge that everyone experiences oppression differently for various reasons, and so if I had interviewed another group of people, the interviews may have been very different or may have shone a light on additional aspects of ageism. I also think it's incredibly important to note that many people are experiencing effects of ageism in tandem with other forms of systemic oppression based on their culture, race, gender, sexuality, and socioeconomic status. This show has presented me with an interesting jumping-off point from which to further educate myself, speak with people about their experiences with ageism, and to understand its effects. This topic my conversations, and research have inspired me to think differently about age, to challenge my thinking and stereotypes and discrimination that I see in the media, to reach out to people who are dealing with challenges around ageism, to speak up when someone makes negative or hurtful comments about age, and to listen and understand what people, especially older people, are feeling and going through. It is my hope that this show has done the same for you, the listeners. And speaking of the listeners, I want to thank you, genuinely, thank you for listening to the show. And finally, a huge thank you to Hugh Cruzel for encouraging me to create this series and for allowing me to be a guest host on his very interesting and engaging QOL platform. Thank you also to CKLU 96.7 FM in Sudbury for airing this series It has been a scary and exciting experience being on the radio for the first time. I'm Brooke Davies, and this has been Experiences with Ageism.